This is Tom Coffs, like the head of research and analytics at Hilltop Securities. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this episode of our Hilltop Talks Politics and Finance podcast series for 2021. During these discussions, we consider topics that intersect the worlds of politics and finance at the federal, state, and local levels in the United States. We often concentrate on issues related to U.S. public finance and the municipal bond market. Today, we are going to do just that while focusing on the budget situation in Chicago, Illinois. Chicago has been much in the news in recent years because of its budget situation. And I'm looking forward to talking to our guests today about that while also focusing on the themes of police funding, federal relief, and how to spend that federal relief, and the potential or existing stress from public pensions, among other items. Today, we have with us Amanda Cass. Amanda is a Associate Director at the Government Finance Research Center at the University of Illinois at Chicago. She's a PhD in urban planning and policy from UIC, and she's been closely following the Chicago budget situation for years, and I thought it would be very helpful for us to have a conversation about what was happening in the Windy City, because so much of what's happening is connected to some relevant public finance topics, as I just mentioned a few moments ago. Thank you for joining us today, Amanda. We're happy to have you. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to mention specifically there are two pieces, and I'll t I'll uh, tell everybody where those can be found uh, on Amanda's uh, website. But there are two specific pieces that she has written recently about Chicago's budget situation. Amanda, your August 13th piece was a real kickoff to the Chicago budget battle, and I think that that's a real good description. And I was wondering if you could go into a little more detail about the items that are most at issue and why it is that you expect a battle in Chicago about the budget. Sure. Um, and so just to kind of set the context a little bit so listeners understand, uh, in, in August, Mayor Lori Lightfoot released uh, the city a, a forecast for the city of Chicago's upcoming budget. Uh, which will be fiscal year 2022. And so this document is really, I think, meant to be agenda setting um, for what will then become the mayor's budget proposal. And so it's a kind of long process for the city's actual budget to get passed, and this, this is the initial step of it. And so the forecast is looking, at, it does two things. One, it has an update about the current fiscal year, 2021, and then it also has a look forward of if nothing kind of changes with the city's finances, what is 2022 uh, look at? And so I was kind of reading this document, one as a public finance scholar trying to kind of make sense of the city's fiscal condition, and then two, trying to kind of tease out like what are the big policy pressure points, political pressure points that this document is capturing. And to me, that there, there were kind of three. Um, and I think these three aren't totally unique to Chicago, uh, but we're, we're gonna kind of see them in Chicago uh, become kind of big battle focal points. And so the first is around the Chicago Police Department and the policing budget. The second is how the city is going to spend its American Rescue Plan Act money. And then the third, which is probably unique to Chicago, is the kind of ongoing pressure of making the pension payments for Chicago's severely underfunded pension system. 
there's a little bit of new and a little bit of old here, right? Uh, I have been writing going back to, I want to say, the summer of last year about the concepts and the uh, kind of defund the police movement. So I would describe that as a, from a national perspective, maybe not just on Chicago, but from a national perspective, that's something that has been getting a lot of attention. Uh, just, uh, I want to say in May or June of this year, I, I also spent some time looking at the violent crime data across the country. And Chicago is one of those cities that is experiencing a rise of violent crime. So I'd have to imagine that the police, the portion of the budget that has to do with the police is something that is a, uh, an issue in Chicago. And you're, uh, it sounds like you are absolutely, uh, or at least the budget from the budget perspective, it's absolutely the case. I was wondering if you could t tell us a little bit more about uh, what it is that's at issue with the police budget in uh, Chicago. Sure, and I think that there's a couple of, of points to it, uh, because I think in the Chicago context, this is the kind of issue of policing um, and kind of investing in crime prevention in alternative ways that aren't through the police department has been kind of a conversation that's been going on for a long time. And so I think at one level, there's this kind of larger big, big policy question um, about kind of programs and policies that the city can invest in uh, to prevent crime um, and combat violence. And then the kind of very narrow topic that I think we're gonna see this battle play out over is the um, police union contract. So right now the Lightfoot administration negotiated a new contract with the police union, the SOP. Um, and they reached a tentative agreement in July. And then um, just in the last couple, a week or two, the FOP ratified it. But now that still has to be approved by the city council. And so I think this specific issue of the police contract is gonna be a real focal point for this bigger question of what portion of the, of the city's budget is dedicated to the police department. So in Chicago's situation, is this a, is th would this be described as a situation where they are trying to, or at least contemplating a quote unquote defunding of the police or a reallocation, or is this a situation where they are uh, trying to increase overall uh, accommodation of police funding and other types of reforms in aggregate? I think that's a good, it's a good kind of thing to raise. And there isn't like a singular answer because there's lots of different organizations, there's lots of different activist organizations and kind of political fractions within Chicago. And so I think when you, when the answer depends on who you're talking to, I think okay. there's a large coalition that's interested in reallocating resources um, to other areas of the budget and looking to kind of spend in alternatives to policing that would address some of the root crimes, root causes of crime and violence. Um, and with an argument that one way to do that would be to reduce the amount that's spent on the police department specifically. 
The thing that's before the city council right now, though, would increase the spending on the police department's budget. And that's because in, in this new contract that the city council will have to vote on um, is some salary increases and it includes retroactive pay. So there's several hundred millions of dollars of retroactive pay um, that would be an, an unbudgeted for expense that the city would have to come up with money to pay for if this police contract is approved by the city council. Okay. So one of the thing, one of the other things that I would describe, one of the other topics that I describe as being uh, a newer topic that you wrote about and that uh, is at issue in Chicago with regard to its budget has to do with the American Rescue Plan Act. Uh, as a reminder, one of the things that I have been writing about for several months is that there was about $650 billion of relief that was made available to uh, public finance entities Three hundred uh, from the American Rescue Plan Act, $350 billion of that is being allocated to state and local governments. And, why, and because the overall revenue sit situation more or less nationwide was not as negative as what many were expecting. There are some state and local governments that, I don't know if this is the right way to describe it, but I'm going to describe it this way. They're kind of struggling with figuring out ways to spend that money. And maybe part of that struggle, Amanda, is that they're trying to prioritize how it is that that money is going to be spending be spent? Is that the right way to describe it in Chicago? I think that's a great way to describe it, um, is that it's a question of kind of how to prioritize the spending, but also to kind of think through what are the short and long-term fiscal impacts of that spending, right? Because if the money is used for, to create a new program or to expand an existing program, then when that money runs out in 2024, there's going to be a question of, well, how do we pay for this new or expanded program that we had? And for a little bit of context, Chicago is getting nearly $1.9 billion in federal aid from the American Rescue Plan Act. Um, and to put that into context, the city's spending on its corporate fund, which is its general fund, is about $4 billion. Um, and again, that $1.9 billion is spent over a couple of years, but it, it, I think, helps get a sense of the magnitude of it. It's pretty substantial. And they have until, if I remember correctly, the end of 2024. Uh, that being said, I'd have to imagine that when you've got the impact from, uh, like, the increase in what's happening with regard to the Delta variant, there could be another wave towards the end of this year, uh, another COVID wave. I'd have to imagine that, you know, at least one of the things that I've been telling people is that COVID itself, as much as we want it to be over, is not over. Is there something going, is there something going on in Chicago with regard to how its budget is shaping up to lead us to believe that there is kind of a, an X factor or a expense that might rise, you know, this year or next year? Uh, and that shortfall could end up being, or that um, hole could end up using a decent amount of that Rescue Act money that they received? Yeah, so Mayor Lightfoot right now is proposing to use almost 40% of the money on um, 
one of the allowable categories is revenue replacement. Uh, and so the mayor in the 2020 forecast document um, has kind of framed it in there that the city would use almost $800 million to, to plug revenue shortfalls from 2020 and uh, the current fiscal year 2021. Mm -hmm. it, it's actually a little more complicated than that because um, when Chicago had that revenue shortfall, so again, if we go back to spring of 2020, um, cities experienced these kind of really sharp revenue shortfalls uh, with the early kind of phase of the pandemic and, and shutdowns. Um, and so the city of Chicago plugged that budget hole, the budget gap, um, by doing some short-term borrowing. And so what the city is, is really proposing to do with this 800 million is that it would apply it to the eligible ARPA category of revenue shortfall. And then that frees up other revenue in its corporate fund. And then it would use that corporate fund money to pay off that short-term borrowing and close that the kind of the gap that way. And absent being able to use the money for that short-term borrowing, um, the city would convert the short-term borrowing into long-term debt, it would do another scoop and toss issuance. So is there something going on behind the scenes at the, 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 the local or even neighborhood level uh, about uh, the debate of how this money uh, should be spent? Yeah, and this also ties to the first issue of policing. So a little bit of context is that Chicago is one of the cities that got money from the CARES Act, from the Coronavirus Relief Fund. And the city used that money um, for the police department budget. Um, that was one of the allowable expenses. And there was a lot of criticism about the city using the money to kind of plug the budget hole in that way uh, when there was a lot of kind of need in the community from people who were affected by um, layoffs, by COVID, the disease itself. So now with the American Rescue Plan Act money, um, within the city council, there's a progressive caucus. And the progressive caucus has, has objected to the mayor's proposal for how to use this $800 million of the American Rescue Plan Act money. And, and they're arguing that they really want the money to go to direct aid for people and communities that have been most adversely impacted by the pandemic. Um, and a group of progressive aldermen have put forward kind of an alternative spending plan called the Chicago Rescue Plan. Um, and that's an ordinance that's before the city council now. So the, the last of the three items that you were focusing on has to do with the pensions and I'd I'd have I'd have to say that of all of the topics in uh, public finance and the things that we've been talking and writing about over the years, this is one of the topics that has been uh, it's been crowded out, right? This is something that I think because the Rescue Plan Act money was such a story, I'd argue that. Um, that is a story for the decade in that I've never, I've never seen that amount of federal money come into uh, the state and local government arena. And, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't 
make the public pension expenditures go away. And it also, uh, and also, as we know, the state and local governments are not allowed to use that Rescue Plan Act money to pay down or fund uh, public pensions. So that leaves Chicago, the city, one of the cities that has been experiencing a probably as much, if not more, fiscal strain from the rise or the need to fund those public pensions. What is the, from the budget, from the current budget's perspective, what is the leading in your mind topic as where public pensions are concerned that Chicago is dealing with? So, the, and I'll try not to get in the weeds of this too much because um, it's a comp it's a bit of a complicated story. The for the 2022 budget, um, in the mayor's forecast, she's predicting a, a pretty big budget gap for 2022, and one of the drivers of that is an increase in the city's payments to its pension systems. Um, and there's a lot to kind of talk about, a lot of history to talk about with that, but in a nutshell, it's state law that dictates what the city has to pay into its pension system. And budget year 2022 is the first year in which there's gonna be a new funding plan for two of the city's four pension systems. And, um, Going from the way that the city has been funding the pension systems to this uh, new plan, which requires it, the pension systems to get to 90% funded by a certain time period, requires a pretty big increase uh, in the city's payments to the pension system. And so for 2022, there's a challenge of how to make that jump in payment. Um, and then it's going to be kind of an ongoing potential fiscal pressure as the city has to make uh, these pension payments every year so that the funding level of the pension systems improves over time. There were, rev there were revenue raising uh, tactics that the city has used in the past. Have they identified uh, in recent weeks or months what could be on the table for that going forward? They have not. Um, and so, again, that's like one of the big factors contributing to the anticipated budget gap of $733 million. Um, the mayor has said that beyond the kind of growth in property tax revenue from inflation, she doesn't want to do a big jump in the property tax. And that's kind of the big, the big tax that the, the city has kind of discretion over. Um, and so there hasn't been a clear proposal about how to um, close that budget gap for 2022. And that's why there are budget battles that you're that are likely to come. I'd have to imagine that the next time that we talk, Amanda, there is going to be more information about all three of these topics, the police funding, how it is that they're planning on spending the Rescue Act money and potentially how they're planning on funding the increase in pension payments. Uh, for now, I'm going to close and thank Amanda for joining us. And I'm going to thank everyone else uh, who turned in and downloaded our podcast recording. Thank you very much for listening. I'm going to thank Amanda one more time. We re I really enjoyed our discussion, Amanda. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's always fun to talk with you. And for those interested, you can also see the Hilltop Securities Economic 
and municipal commentary and listen to our podcasts by going to hilltopsecurities.com backslash commentary. You can follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can see Amanda's reports at amandacass.blog. And you can also follow Amanda on Twitter as well. She is very, very active on Twitter, even more active than me, I'd have to say. Uh, thanks again, Thank everyone. Too active. <laughs> thanks again, everyone. We look forward to bringing you more color in the future related to topics that intersect the world of politics, finance, and public finance. This has been Tom Kozak from Hilltop Securities. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Hilltop Talks, a Hilltop Securities podcast where we navigate the impact of politics and finance on the financial markets. For those interested, you can view our Hilltop Securities economic and municipal commentary by visiting hilltopsecurities.com backslash municipal dash commentary and hilltopsecurities.com backslash economic dash commentary. You can also follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again, everyone, for subscribing, tuning in, and participating. We look forward to bringing you more color in the future on topics that intersect both the world of politics and finance. This has been Tom Koslick at Hilltop Securities. This communication is intended for educational and informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice, nor is it an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any investment or other specific product or service. Financial transactions may be dependent upon many factors such as, but not limited to, interest rates, tax rates, supply, and change in laws, rules and regulations, as well as changes in credit quality and rating agency considerations. The effect of such changes in such assumptions may be material and could affect the projected results. Any outcome or result Hilltop Securities or any of its employees may have achieved on behalf of our clients in previous matters does not necessarily indicate similar results can be obtained in the future for current or potential clients. Hilltop Securities makes no claim the use of this communication will assure a successful outcome. For additional information, comments, or questions, please contact Hilltop Securities, Inc. Hilltop Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hilltop Holdings, New York Stock Exchange, ticker symbol HTH. Hilltop Securities is located at 717 North Harwood Street, Dallas, Texas, 75201. Phone number 833-4-HILLTOP, H-I-L-L-T-O-P, and is a member of the New York Stock Exchange, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and the Securities Investor Protection Corporation.